Hello and welcome back to the Final Whistle podcast. As always, I am joined by the man himself, Daniel Fears. How are you, Dan? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Now, this week we have a slightly different style of episode for you. We're going to be doing a Premier League season review. Of course, it ended yesterday. Now, we're joined by two guests this week. The first of our guests is a lifelong Liverpool fan who can now, after many years, gloat all he likes that they've won the title. It's Isaac De Silva. How are you, Isaac? Yeah, I'm good. Good, thank you. Now, um, yeah, I'm great. Now, our second guest is an Arsenal fan and footballing author who has just released his new book, Foul, which is available on Amazon. I've read the start of it and it is very good. It's Artin James. How are you, Artin? Good, thanks, Harry. Now, today, as I said, we'll be doing Premier League season review. We have different topics that we'll bring up and then we'll get to share our opinions on the matter. Dan, you've got to start us off. So what do you lot make of VAR? Do you think it should stay or do you think it should go? Should we go to Isaac here first? Personally, I don't. I don't like it. I think it, in, it interrupts the game, interrupts the flow of the game, and without it, it wouldn't really make a difference. The players were players were getting on fine without it, and I, I see no reason to keep it. Now, Artem, what do you what do you make of VAR? Uh, I'm all for it in theory. I think in practice, uh, it needs to be improved. The implementation of it is still slow. And there are still, uh, I think uh, there've been a lot of incidences this season where like clearly incorrect decisions are still being made. And I think that's what's ultimately scuppering its credibility. So until they can actually make the correct decision, I think I think people are willing to wait a few seconds if the correct decision is made. Now, of course, we saw... Aston Villa surviving uh, yesterday just by that one point and we could see a lot going around social media of the fact that the reason Villa stayed up was because of that incident against Sheffield United after the restart where VAR or goal line technology got the uh, decision wrong when it was clearly over the line. Dan do you think that of course as Arthur mentioned the things need to be ironed out um, do you think, how long do you think it would take them to get VAR perfect or as perfect as they can? I think it's very much the rules, not the VAR itself. I think they need to implement the handball rule because that's really silly the way how it, if it hits your arm and you're, it's not intentional, it shouldn't be a free kick or a foul. Yeah, well... I was, of course, I was watching Sky yesterday as they were covering the final game of the season, and all the pundits were saying, "Yeah, it's it's all good, it's all well and good, but we need to get these decisions sorted out." I think um, has been mentioned there that it takes too long, as everyone needs, to, like everyone's fine with a few seconds, but the fact that it's taking them two or three minutes, it's it's strengthening out, lengthening out the games. And I think the fans are just getting bored of it, even though it is doing the right decisions. Now, one of the main problems that many people are having with it is the fact that the referees are not using the pitch-side monitors. What, what do you make of that, Isaac? No, I think they should. If they're not sure in the consulting room, uh, I can't remember where. Stockley they do Park. The, yeah, Stockley Park, that's it. Um, I think if they're not sure there, go get the ref to check at the pitch-side monitor because it's not good enough some of the decisions this season have been shocking um like you said the one with villa versus uh sheffield 
and uh, where goal line technology was turned off. It's it's just not good enough. Now, Arton, we saw in the the Russia World Cup a strong use of VAR with the uh, pitch side monitors. Is it just the fact that possibly you know it's the first few seasons of having VAR and the prim- and the referees you know a bit a bit you know they don't really want to go and use the monitors they just want to trust the people at Stockley Park. Possibly, but I don't really see why you even need pitch side monitors. You know, people go running with the smartphones attached to their arms via a strap. There's nothing to say that the ref couldn't have a device attached to him and get it out and have a look where he is, you know, not to elongate the process even further with him having to run over the touchline when he wants to check things. It has just been one of those things, I guess, that we're not, we just need to get used to and, you know, iron out all the problems that, that we've had with it so far. Dan, got the next point. And so David De Gea, he's been he's vital for Man United for so long, but he's um, not been at his best this season or in recent seasons, in fact. Do you think they should keep him? And they've got Dean Henderson coming through the ranks. What do you think they should do with United with their keeping position? Arton? Um, I haven't watched a lot of United this season. I've only caught little bits of uh, David De Gea's... Um, well, I've seen I've seen some of the errors that he's made over the last few weeks. It's hard to know. It's hard to know whether it's a downturn in form um, that's temporary, or whether he's gonna. Um, yeah, I, I think he should be cut a little bit of slack from the fans, given how good he has been for United for so long. Um, there should be a level of respect given to that. But uh, ultimately, I guess in training, the boss is going to make a decision based on the performance of him and the other goalkeepers they've got. Now, um, David De Gea had been defended uh, after the error he made uh, in recent match by Kasper Schmeichel, who'd said, you know, the pundits and all the media need to leave, like stop getting this narrative that it's the goalkeepers, that's all their fault. And defending him, saying, you know, as Arton said there, how much he has done for United. Um, he needs, as he needs to be cut that slack. Do you feel, Isaac, that what he has done for United um, kind of cancels out this these poor mistakes? Yeah, I mean, in a lot of United fans' eyes, he's a hero. Uh, he's been there so long, but I think over the last couple of seasons, he's definitely not been performing to his best. And with Sergio Romero on the bench, who is a solid, solid keeper. And Dean Henderson obviously having a brilliant season on loan at Sheffield. I think this could potentially have been De Gea's last season with the number one spot between the sticks. Yeah, Dan, do you agree with that? Do you think that Dean Henderson will come in and take the number one spot? Uh, yeah, I do. But I don't see the point of United um, keeping, like, say, David De Gea if they're to do that. I don't think David De Gea will be happy being back up. Now, I've, I've, I did a bit of research earlier into you know, goal, clean sheet, etc. So David De Gea, 38 appearances in the Premier League this year, this season, only 13 clean sheets. So that's 34% rate of him getting a clean sheet. But if you look at the, the key people that are at the top of the list, Edison is top. He's made three less appearances, but made four more clean sheets. And Allison in second, who's made, he's only been done 29 appearances and 15 clean sheets. Do you think... As we, well, as we just said there, that David Hayes, his time has come and it's time for him to let Dean Henderson take over, Arton. Like I said, it's it's 
on the manager, the manager has uh, more detail than any of us. He sees them every day in training. He knows about anything that's going on behind the scenes that's impacting performance. Um, obviously, uh, City and Liverpool have been um, main machines in front of the goalkeeper as well. Um, United have had variable form this season, which leads to him being more exposed. Um, so, yeah, I can't say that I'm strongly kind of one way or the other on it, to be honest. Now, the next next point I've got here is around Liverpool centre-back Virgil van Dijk. Now, he's very arguably, and no, no one can disagree with it, he's the best centre-back in the Premier League right now, I feel. Um, but there's a question of his quality. Is he, you know, the best centre-back that we've seen for a long time? Or is it the fact that he just faces weaker opposition? Now, he's the out of the top 10 Premier League top goal scorers list, the only one that's been playing for a while is Sergio Aguero, Wayne Rooney, but Van Dijk wasn't really around then. Obviously, you're a Liverpool fan, Isaac. Do you feel that he is he is this amazing centre-back that we, we know he is? Or is it feel that he's getting a bit lucky with weaker attackers? I think it's a bit both, to be honest. He's proved... He's proved to all of us that he can play on the big stage. For example, Champions League uh, last season in the final and in that semi-final against Barcelona. But we've seen him struggle against other bigger opposition, like when we lost 4-0 to Man City. Um, but against the smaller teams, he doesn't doesn't seem like he has a lot to do. Um, so I guess it just depends on what type of day it is, who the opposition is, and how good they are. Now, we saw, of course, after Liverpool won the league, a bit of a slip in form. Do we think that, you know, this is, of course, they've, they're have they going to be back at it next season. But do you think that that might have hit the uh, mentality of the players, Dan, this little uh, dip in form? Absolutely. When you've just won the Premier League, you're going to take your eye off the ball. It's... Every team does it. Um, it. Liverpool should have gone for the record. I bet they're really gutted that they haven't hit the 100 points total, just being one point off it. But I think they'll be back challenging for the title next season. Now, Arton, as we just said there um, about having not to face the biggest attackers, now, if we look at the um, a bit of the top 10 top goal scorers list in the Premier League, that's like Shearer, Rooney, Lampard, Henri... Robbie Fowler, you know Michael Owen. Do you feel that you know if he was in that era, he would be uh, as held in high regard as he is now? I think so. Um, I think the the style of attack that occurs now in the Premier League is slightly different. You know, we don't have those uh, thirty goal a season men. Really, you, you're looking at kind of low to mid twenties. You get more contribution from the wide players. Most people are playing front threes. Um, yeah, I think Van Dijk is top quality. As as uh, Isaac said before, he's uh, proven it at the highest level. Champions League, um, you know, I, I don't really know what more he can do to to justify his his quality. So yeah, I think he could kind of transport him back ten years, and he'd do pretty well. Now, of course, we just mentioned Liverpool winning the league this year very comfortably. Of course, they had ninety nine points, just so close to that hundred, as Dan mentioned. But of with City coming in at eighty one behind them, which the next point is who do we think will win the league next year? Do you think Liverpool can carry it on, or will, of course, these big signings coming in at Chelsea 
rival them. Dan, who do you, who in your opinion do you think could be challenging for the title next year? If you asked me a couple of weeks ago, I would have said United, but they've switched off a bit recently. So I'm going with Liverpool. I reckon they'll maintain it. I reckon there'll be a closer between Man City, Liverpool, and um, United next season. Uh, Isaac, obviously being a Liverpool fan, you got a bit of. You want to keep this. You want to keep this Premier League title with you. Are you f- fear a bit of Chelsea now? They've got you know Werner and Ziyech. Of course, Pulis- Pulisic has been showing a bit of form after the restart. Are you not at all worried by by Chelsea? Yeah, absolutely. I am. Um, I watched the Liverpool Chelsea game the other night, and Pulisic is electric when he came on the pitch. The whole mentality of that Chelsea team just switched. Um, and I'm really jealous with the signing of uh, Timo Werner. But uh, I think him, Ziek, and Pulisic could be lethal up front. I think if Chelsea can sort out their goalkeeper and defensive problems, they're going to be a serious team for the title next year. Now, Arton, who who do you feel could be challenging or winning the title next year? Yeah, I think City and Liverpool are going to be there again. I think City will strengthen. Um, obviously, Chelsea have reinforced a lot, so they're going to be a force. Um, Man United, I don't know if they had one or two in the summer. Now with the form of Fernandez and um, Pogba in the middle, um, they could be dangerous. But um, I think uh, it could go... It could go either way this summer, depending on uh, if they're able to keep hold of Aubameyang. Um, so yeah, I, I can't, I still can't really see beyond uh, Liverpool and City. I I agree with everyone there that it's going to be you know Liverpool, City. I think a lot of people were surprised by uh, well, not as much surprised, but didn't expect to see Leicester as high up as they were earlier, earlier in the league table, and now they've kind of slipped down to where we reckon them were getting Europa League football. Uh, Isaac, do you feel, of course, Leicester getting? Do you feel that they'd be that they are going to be better in the uh, Europa League instead of this Champions League level, which even Brendan Rodgers admitted that they're not good enough for? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I don't think this Leicester team is as good as the one that they won the league with in 2016, which obviously they qualified for the Champions League for. Um, so I think the Europa League is hundred percent the right step for them. Uh, it's just a case of if they can do well in that and potentially get to the final and win. Yeah. Now, Dan, got the next point. So, um, Henderson, um, with the PFA Journalist Player of the Year Award, um, Pep Guardiola says that it's always Liverpool players that are winning it, even last season. Um, what do you make of this, Isaac? Um, I have to be honest, I think he deserves it. If you look at our win and loss ratio with and without Henderson. It's a lot higher when we have him. We win a lot more games with him. Um, but about the point that Pep Pep made, I don't think that's true. I think he's just a bit jealous about how well we... But, um, I mean, each to your own. You can have your own opinion. But at the end of the day, I think we deserved it. Henderson deserved it. Artisan, do you do you feel that you know De Bruyne deserved this more than Henderson? You could, but of course, PFA Player of the Year coming up. Yeah, do you think De Bruyne will beat him to that award? Um, I hope so. Um, I do think uh, I think he's possibly the best midfielder in the world at the moment. I think uh, it's quite regular with um, these individual awards that they're weighted 
too much towards the success of the team that the player plays in. We've seen similar in La Liga this season where uh, Benzema's been given the individual award. Um, obviously, he's a fantastic player, but like if you look at what Messi's done this season, if you look at all of his stats, mm. um, he, you know, Barcelona haven't been at the races, but Messi's been unbelievable. So I, I think... I think we need to kind of de-weight the, uh, the success of the team from these individual awards more so. Dan, do you feel that Henderson deserved that award? Uh, yeah, he's carried Liverpool this season. Well, they've got a very balanced squad, but he's been vital for them winning this league this season. Now, another quick Liverpool point on here of a bit of a controversial player, Roberto Firmino, of course... He's only scored that, I think it's one goal uh, this in 2020 this year at Anfield. And obviously being dubbed in the amazing attacking with Mane and Salah. Do we think of Firmino as a world-class striker, Artem? It depends what you're looking for from a striker. Um, you know, he's not getting as many goals as uh, you would think a typical striker would get, but as we were talking about before, like the role of a, the role of a central striker seems to have changed over the last kind of 10 years. And obviously Liverpool as a, as an attacking threat, uh, nobody can argue with their potency. And obviously Firmino is part of that. Um, would he like to get more goals? I'm sure he would, but I, I don't know that it's that important that he does if the, you know, playing like they have been and, and scoring like they have been. I don't, I don't think it's really a worry. Isaac, would you prefer a, a, a more goal-scoring striker or are you happy with Firmino getting the, you know, a few assists rather than challenging the likes of Vardy and Aubameyang for the goals? I would love an out-and-out goal scorer and a lot of Liverpool fans claim he's a defensive striker, which obviously we know he can be brilliant in that pure attacking role. But this season he's just not been on it. Uh, he's proved in past seasons he can, but I I think maybe he's lost his goal scoring touch and we need to move on and find someone new. Dan, if if we're saying about um, Firmino, he's passed his time. Is there anyone you could see that Liverpool could realistically target to replace him? I'm not with a similar sort of striker to Firmino. Because I think Firmino is very much, he comes forward, he meets the ball and then lays it up to the wingers. Whereas most of the strikers now, they're more sort of, let's get the goals. Whereas I don't see a striker that's similar to Firmino. Because I think you would cut down Salah's and Mane's goal tally if you were to get rid of um, Firmino. Well... Well, that's going to bring us to the end of the episode, of course. Liverpool, congratulations on winning the league. Norwich, Watford and Bournemouth, congratulations on coming to the championship. Um, see, not, not what they would have wanted, but oh well. It helped, it's just going to save Villa for that dodgy goal. Now, um, as I said, that brings us to the end of the episode. Isaac and Artem, thank you for joining us today and for sharing your thoughts on those topics. Um, I would, of course, I'd like to thank everyone for listening and please to like and share the, uh, the channel and this episode with your friends. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Thank you for listening. That was the final whistle.